I have never had to wear a hijab. The idea frightens me a little. A shapeless cloak, somber colors and layers of scarf wrapped around my head and neck. Garments so obscuring, they seem to create even a labored, particular walk. At best, I imagine I will look severe and unkind. At worst, I fear I may disappear entirely. I have managed to avoid it until now, even in Yemen. There I had stayed with six women, the Al-Khatib sisters, who wore head-to-toe black, including veils across their faces and dark gloves to cover their hands. Yet each morning as we took turns checking ourselves in the tall mirror that hung in the corridor, they insisted upon my elbow-length sleeves and bare ponytailed hair. When I tried to cover my head or don a shawl before going outside, they closed in around me, brushing away my attempt, saying, No, it is good this way. With their fierce swaggers, shrill voices, and readiness to make a scene if something displeased them, they made for powerful guardians as we moved through the narrow, darkened alleys of eastern Sana'a, squashing ourselves into the creaky public minibuses that took us to the market. I followed the indications of their long, black-covered fingers as they pointed me to a new seat every few stops, a near constant adjusting and readjusting of places to ensure no woman suffered the indignity of sitting next to a man she wasn't married or related to. As we picked out fish, rabbits, or chickens that squawked and fluttered as they were thrown onto the scales, they whispered warnings of the times they had been insulted by the stray glances and roaming hands of Sanaa's bachelors, who spent much of the afternoon sitting on flattened cardboard boxes in the streets, chewing the handfuls of green hallucinogenic leaves they stuffed into their mouths and wedged in their cheeks. In their small white-tiled kitchen, the sisters observed a strict pecking order. The youngest, and most recently married, peeled garlic and scraped carrots, while the oldest, twenty-four with three children already, commandeered the groaning Chinese food processor. She fed it handfuls of green chilies, tomatoes, and coriander to make the fiery zoog we dipped boiled eggs into for a snack. Under the layers of black cloth that were shed and flung into a corner, the girls revealed the indoor versions of themselves. Faded jeans, fitted leggings, and baggy sweatshirts saying, Frankfurt, or University of Los Angeles. Their skin was smooth and almond-colored, and their thick hair fell in loose curls around their faces. Their veil-muffled voices became loud and crisp. It felt strangely intimate to see them this way, the shapes and textures of their hair, the red lipstick on their mouths, the fact that some of them preferred pink t-shirts to blue, things few men would ever see. From morning until midday, the Al-Khatib kitchen was a busy hub of reaching arms, tasting spoons, and fingers flicking water or oil across eager surfaces. One sister's sizzling pan awaited another's pad of clarified butter and heaping spoonful of Hawaii spices. A third sister stretched dough across a conical straw pillow, while a fourth brushed the surface with beaten egg and scattered sesame seeds. Jars of cardamom were tipped, colanders of rice were washed, and chicken was hacked into neat pieces on a slab of wood balanced on small plastic stools. 
unlike their kitchen duties, the care of their ten young children was interchangeable, and every mistimed leap over the cushions piled in the living room, demand for a glass of warm milk with rose water, or scorched knee from an overeager approach to the blazing tanur, could send any of the sisters running. I imagine they had expected me to be older and probably lazier, but I worked hard for my intrusion into their lives, far beyond the thousand dollars in crisp banknotes that I had paid into the hand of the eldest of the Al-Khatib sons. In exchange for hard currency, I had been promised two weeks of being permitted to trail them everywhere they went, and to be placed firmly at the center of all their cooking and feeding activities. The youngest, who by virtue of being the last born, had been spared an early marriage.